Good morning. Well, if, if you wonder why I wasn't giving out hugs or anything, I, I'm still feeling uh, quite a bit under the weather. Uh, I think I'm ready to go uh, this morning, which is exciting, but I am going to grab a cough drop. So don't feel like I'm, I'm ignoring you or I don't care about you if I'm not giving you a hug or a handshake. It's because I do care about you. Uh, we had a whirlwind of a week last week. If you didn't know where we were, my family, we were in Disneyland, which is the happiest place on earth for some people. Not for parents, I don't think, but for the kids. Yeah, we had a lot of firsts on our journey. And let me be clear, it was a journey, not a vacation. Uh, <laughs> uh, like uh, we had one of our kids get car sick for the first time. That was a unique and super fun experience. Uh, the first time Zeke hugged a chipmunk and uh, he did so for way too long. I felt really bad for the cast member because, uh, I, I mean, they're actual people like in these costumes, but we did this dinner thing. And you can see, like, uh, that's Zeke. He's hugging uh, a chipmunk. And it lasted way too long. You know, where you're like, hey, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And you're trying to, like, pry your son off of a chipmunk. That was something I never thought that I would have to do in life. But and, and Hosanna's our hugger. Hosanna's our girl that she, she, she doesn't care. She's, she sees you. She loves you. She wants to hug you. Zeke is usually very standoffish, but uh, his, his, uh, his Disney characters, he was just in love with them. He wanted to hug them. And thankfully, we're out of that COVID era where that now, now they can actually like hug you. And so it was, it was really cool. Um, yeah, that was a really unique experience. Uh, the first time Hosanna rode a roller coaster. She rode Big Thunder Mountain. Anybody else love Big Thunder Mountain? Um, I love that ride. It's one of my favorites. And I kind of told myself, like, you know, this isn't the trip for that yet. She's not big enough. She's not old enough. She did not touch the handrails the whole time. She had her hands in the She's four years old. She had her hands in the air. Big thunder. I mean, this is an adult roller coaster. Uh, it was so cool. She is fearless. Uh, and because of that and so many other things, I cannot wait to see what she's going to do in this world. Uh, I uh, rode a roller coaster with my mother-in-law. And it was our first roller coaster in 21 years, 21 years. So that was really cool. We made some amazing memories. We went through some tough times, but we came out on the other side. Uh, I think we need to get shirts made for our family. It says, uh, you know, we survived four days in Disneyland 2022, right? Four days in Disneyland. <laughs> barely, because I'm barely hanging on by a thread. Everyone lived, everyone lived, but it was real tough and go, touch and go for a minute there. Uh, I did want to say Bob Wood came and spoke last week, and I'm so thankful for him. So let's give Bob a thank you again. He's not here if you're looking for him, but he's with us in spirit. So uh, you, Bob did a great job, and we'll talk about some of the things that he said uh, later. But I wanted to get back uh, to the Disneyland trip, because I know that's what you guys came here for, was to listen to me talk about that. But I wanted to talk about my kids for a minute. Hosanna's four, right? My daughter's four, and I truly love her. We did this Bippity Boppity Boutique, um, which is where uh, they take a, a girl and then they, you, she gets to pick out which uh, dress she wants and, and the, you know, all the stuff. And they do her makeup and hair and shoes. And so she had light up glass slippers. And uh, it, was, it was amazing, uh, Lee expensive. Uh, but when... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, she's incredible. She's going to change the world, but she's very opinionated. Uh, she has no issues telling you exactly how she feels, why she feels that way, uh, and what you have to do to fix it. Whatever it is currently, just her, whatever she thinks is unjust. Her four-year-old mind, she has no problem telling you that. Uh, Zeke is two. He actually turns three 
tomorrow, which is really cool. Uh, but he is much more even keeled, right? Uh, he just wants to bottle flip everywhere. And if you don't know what bottle flipping is, you literally just take a bottle and, and you flip it and try to make it. Stand. That's it. And he, he's good at it. He does it everywhere. Uh, so even when we're like in Disneyland, which they have created these amazing experiences, this, you know, buildings that we cannot even describe with words are so beautiful and immaculate. And there's rides and there's animals and there's like all of this really cool stuff. He just wants, he's begging to bottle flip everywhere we go. So we, thankfully, he, uh, before you turn three, you're free into Disneyland. So we didn't spend any money on him because it would have been wasted because we can bottle flip at home. Uh, I really mean this, like if you were thinking about buying him a birthday present, just get him a Gatorade bottle. Like literally, that's all we're going to do is just buy him like two 24 packs of Gatorade. That's all he wants to do all the time. And it's great because it's a cheap way to entertain my son. Uh, but that's, they're two entirely different people, my, my, my two kids. We have these uh, children that are dynamically different where one is very extra and the other one is Zeke. And uh, Catherine... <laughs> Uh, we drove 14 hours there and back, right? We drove 14 hours there, 14 hours back. Uh, it's an 11-hour drive, but it takes 14 hours with kids. Uh, so they, uh, right, we did all the packing. Uh, we clothed them. We fed them. Uh, my kids didn't pay for any of it, right? We paid for it, um, and we felt that too. Uh, uh, when our son uh, got car sick at 11 p.m., like in the Shasta Mountains, right, we're the ones that are pulling over and cleaning that up and cleaning him up. And, and when we got home, you know, the next day, the first thing that they said wasn't, thank you for taking us to Disneyland. The first thing that they said was, take us to Disneyland. <laughs> right, yeah, we're home now, let's go back. And it, and, it, and, it, and it kind of hurt, you know, we were prepared for it as parents, right? Because your, your children aren't always the most thankful or grateful. Can I get an amen? Uh, so that, uh, that doesn't always happen. You know, you hope for it. Uh, but we, it just, it just kind of hurts because it, it almost feels like what we had just invested in wasn't really worth it, right? Man, like we just, what we were really hoping for is that, that they would understand the value of what we just did. It took so much effort and planning and we were really hoping for more love and patience and thankfulness. But, and don't get me wrong, like both kids at different times have, have looked up at us and said, hey, thank you so much for taking us to Disneyland. And, and they are thankful at times, but sometimes they just don't know how to show it. They lack the emotional ability to realize how difficult it was for mom and dad to make that happen. And so the question is, okay, why did Brian just spend the first five minutes talking about his Disneyland trip? What does that have to do with us? Well, as a church, um, sometimes we can get into this post-Disneyland mentality. Last week, Bob talked about the cycles of a church and the dangers of becoming comfortable because when we exist for our comfort, we no longer exist for the purpose of Christ. We focus on all the stuff that we want and we need, and, and we lose focus on reaching our community with the gospel. We, we try to make the church the things that we want it to be, and we stop caring about what others want or need, and that is very dangerous. This phase we could slip into as a church, if we're not careful, we can call it the after Disneyland lack of 
Thanksgiving phase, our, our Father in Heaven just orchestrated this amazing turnaround within our church. We had a movie night uh, last night at the movie theater, so thank you guys for coming out uh, to that. That was really fun. Uh, Lyle, Lyle Crocodile, there's a lot of theological things to glean from that, a singing crocodile in New York City. Okay, maybe not, but it was fun and it was cool. Um, if you were there with us, then, then like you would see me continuously getting up like, I don't know why, like my daughter, she's four, she went to the bathroom four times during the movie theater. I'd seen the movie before, so it was fine. But it was, it was a lot of fun. But we had 40 people there. Yeah, which was really fun. Yeah, thank you guys for coming. And we'll do it again. It was great. Uh, they they are, very, are very accommodating, and it wasn't very expensive, and it was really fun. It was really cool. Uh, the week, uh, so we're, we're coming up on, on our, our one year of, of us being here, but the week before we had started, we had 35 people in attendance, right, the last weekend in January last year, and then we had 40 people that came to our movie night. And like that, it's just so cool. It's so cool to me, right? And like, and many of you didn't come. We had people that, had, uh, that hadn't been to church before. They came just to experience, uh, again, as a community, like what are we bringing to our community? And it was so cool. And that's really, really exciting. And, and I think that the, the danger is that, that we can say, okay, now, now we're healthy. Now, now we're good. And we, you know, maybe we don't need to bring more people in. Because when you bring new people into church, it gets kind of messy, right? Because they have new ideas and, and they have new stuff. And, and sometimes new people don't understand what our identity is, right? And so they, they come in and they go, hey, what if we do this here and, and do that there? And it gets kind of scary sometimes. And so sometimes we're like, maybe we don't focus on bringing new people to Jesus. Maybe we just focus on making sure that, you know, the building is warm, whether or not the heater works today. Um, you know, uh, stuff like that. We just, you know, we focus on, on some of the things maybe that we shouldn't, if we're being honest with ourselves. Because, you know, like the post-phase Disneyland, we think, well, maybe I, I, maybe I just, I, I don't know, I, I just don't want to be on this ride anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. We don't want anything to change because we're happy with the way things are now. But in order to be truly thankful for where, had, where God has taken us, on the ride we just rode together, we must never be content with those who don't know Jesus yet. Never be content with the amount of people who don't know Jesus yet. If you didn't know this about me, I'm a, I'm a big sports fan. And some of you just groaned internally. Uh, you're going to do so even more because I'm about to talk about Tom Brady, so sorry. Um, there are things about Tom Brady that I respect and things that I don't. Uh, he's human, so he's not perfect. Uh, but many years ago, he was doing a, an interview with a reporter from 60 Minutes, and the reporter asked him, he had three Super Bowl rings at the time, said, which Super Bowl ring is, is your favorite? He'd only won three at the time. Now he's won seven. But he had three Super Bowl rings. He said, which one is your favorite? Do you know what his answer was? The next one. The next one. And I look back with a lot of joy on our previous year and even my previous years 
in ministry, on the people that we were able to bring to the saving knowledge of, of Jesus Christ. We got to baptize them, sometimes their whole families, and we tell the stories, and we love that. And we are so excited by the people that we have been able to help find and follow Jesus. But when I think about the things that excite me the most, it's not the past, it's the future. My favorite person that I'm going to bring to Jesus is the next one. And it's not that I don't love our family. It's not that I don't uh, love doing this and, and I'm not really excited to, to be here. And this, I, I love our family. I love what we're doing right now, but I'm really excited about helping the next person find and follow Jesus. Who is the next story? Who's the next family that doesn't know how desperately they need to, to know Jesus? And how do we reach them? How do we connect with them? Because that is how this church was created 45 years ago. That's what it was created to do, was for the next family. How do we bring more people to know and to follow Jesus? And that's what we're about now. That's what I'm most passionate about. And that's what's uh, most amazing about our church is that that's what we value. And it requires an in, in, inhuman amount of selflessness, an inhuman amount of selflessness. But that's what we must do in order to not become comfortable. This passage that we've been looking at the past two weeks and now this week from Joshua chapter 24, um, he says the line, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, right? Unfortunately, we find out that the very next uh, generation that promised, they promised that they would serve the Lord in faithfulness. They said, no, 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 we promise. And Joshua gave them an out. He said, don't, don't say you're going to do this if you're not going to do this. Don't say you're going to go all in if you're not going to go all in. And they said, we promise. We promise we're all in. We promise we'll keep telling our children and our grandchildren about the mighty works that the Lord has done. We promise. but they broke their promise. So from Judges 2.10, Bob looked at it last week. I want to look at it again. If you don't have your Bibles with you, we're going to put it up on the screen. This is what it tells us. And, and all that generation also uh, were gathered to their fathers, and there also arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, or the work that he had done for Israel. And I just want to, I want to pause right there for a second. It, it wasn't that Israel didn't know the Lord. Uh, breaks my heart reading this. Okay, we're, so we're going to continue on. I don't want to talk about that yet. <laughs> I don't want to cry. Okay, uh, so we're going to keep going on. Verse 11. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and served the Baals, and they abandoned the Lord and the God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and served the Baals and the Asherah. They abandoned the very God which saved them. Why? Yeah, there's, there's two reasons. There's two reasons they abandoned. Uh, the first, you're absolutely right, Sally. 
Their fathers did not teach them all that the Lord had done. Their fathers did not teach them. They promised, they made a vow that they would teach the next generation, and they broke that vow, they broke that promise. Their fathers did not teach them. I love the fact that we have multi-generational families in this church. We have multi-generational families in ministry serving. Some of your sons, some of your daughters are serving because you did not fail to do this in your households. And some of you may think, well, my, my kids don't know or follow Jesus right now, but I did raise them up. And that's all that we can ask is that you did raise them up in the household, that they, they knew the right way to go. You gave them the tools. They get to choose whether or not they use them. But in this case with Israel, their fathers did not teach them and said they did not know the Lord. They did not know what the Lord has done. The second thing, the second reason why the Israelites abandoned the Lord is because the world is very enticing. Right? Maybe some people are like, well, I don't want to admit that in church. I mean, come on. Like, not here, but this is the safest place to admit that. The world around us is constantly pulling us in every direction, telling us the stuff that we should care about, shifting our focus away from what is actually important, telling us that we should value these things and not others. But what it really boils down to is what we experience in this world encourages us to focus on ourselves, encourages us to act like children. I don't care that you took me to Disneyland yesterday. Take me to Disneyland today. We focus on ourselves, our own wants, our own needs, more so than anyone else or any God. What the Israelites saw from the people groups that surrounded them, it looked like a lot of fun. Sin always does. It wouldn't be tempting if it didn't look like fun. But the followers of Baal and Asherah, they were sleeping with prostitutes, and, and their priests were prostitutes, and they had orgies in the temples, and the men of Israel saw this, and they wanted it. The God of Israel tells us that we have to be pure, devoted, loving fathers. We have to raise our children up and teach them about to the, the Lord. But these other gods are encouraging us to do these horribly heinous, sinful acts, but they look like, they look like a lot of fun. So they did what was right in their own eyes, and they followed these other gods. Even the followers of Molech were sacrificing their children at the temple, laying their children down to be sacrificed uh, at these uh, temples of Molech. And the women of Israel saw that, and it was enticing to them because they didn't have to raise those kids. Okay, maybe that's a joke. Uh, but there are days, right? There are days when we're like, maybe that looks more enticing than having to deal with this. Uh, so that was the downfall of Israel. They, they simply stopped serving God and started serving themselves. They stopped serving God, started serving themselves. They stopped asking the question, what does the Lord ask of me, and began to search for a God that would fit their needs. See, that's not a 2022 problem. That's a human nature problem. Does that sound familiar? They stopped serving God and started looking for a God that would serve them. And we would never do this, right? We've never done this. Okay, well, we do sometimes. Uh, but 
We as a whole, as a church, we would never do this, but we're still tempted by it. So Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, I'm going to put it up on the screen because you're not going to have time to flip there yourself. I I do have it in the bulletin. You can look it up later. Uh, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you with, uh, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things, with their mindset on things like uh, Disneyland or, (laughs) okay, maybe that's not what Paul meant. He was warning us against fulfilling our desires rather than our destinies. He was warning us of filling our desires rather than our destinies. He was warning us against uh, trying to make the best Christmas gifts rather than focusing on our spiritual gifts. He was warning us against being filled with the spirits rather than the Holy Spirit. We seek for answers from a magic eight ball rather than the Jehovah Lord. We fill our bellies rather than our hearts. We pursue all the things that we can see, feel, and touch. And when we do that, our end is destruction. Everything in this world will fade away. So why do we focus on all our emotional and spiritual energy, making sure that we get what we want out of this world? Just to put it in context, maybe sometimes when our spouse doesn't give us what we want, whether it's a purse or whether it's something a little bit more intimate, we convince ourselves that they don't love us. I really wanted this thing. They don't want to buy it for me. They don't love me. We give ourselves the right to treat them poorly, be poorly not portly like myself, uh, poorly because we didn't get what we wanted and so we give ourselves the right to respond negatively. When our kids are are disobedient or rude, we convince ourselves that we have the right to be rude back to them. When our parents get older and they need our patience and our help, we convince ourselves that they don't deserve it. Sometimes we pretend like they don't exist. When work gets too hard, we quit. When our church changes to fulfill the mission of Christ, we say stuff like this does This just doesn't look like my church anymore. They got rid of all the pews and the hymnals, and I just want to be a a part of whatever they're doing now. Right? I don't want to do that anymore. I want it to go back to the way it used to be. I hear that a lot. I want church to go back to the way it used to be. It's hard for us to remember, but there was actually a time before pews. There was a time when the church was sitting on the ground and someone thought, hey, we should probably put comfortable benches in here so that people will have a place to sit and maybe they'll enjoy coming to church more often. But there were people, the the naturalists that said, I want to sit on the ground. That's the way my father did it. That's the way my grandfather did it. And that's the way we're going to do it. Don't bring those pews into our church. Your favorite hymns. When they were written, there were people that said, we don't need those new songs. How great thou art, we don't need that. I am content with our Gregorian chants, right? We don't need music to worship the Lord. Let's just grunt at each other. Like, we don't need all these words. They were angry when those hymns were written because they wanted it to stay the same. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't love a genre of music or an era 
of music. Because for a lot of you, the reason that you love hymns is because it brings you back to maybe a simpler time in your life when worshiping Jesus was so easy. And these words, they remind you of an era of your life that maybe it was when your kids all lived in the house with you and there were these times when you just sang hymns as a family and you want that back. And those are good things to want. But it's important for us, again, to be selfless. It's good to have favorite songs and bands, and it's good to want to enjoy your experience in church. But when we begin to make our decisions, why we do what we do in the church because it makes us feel good or makes us happy, we only care about the people who already attend church. That's when it becomes dangerous. That's when we are on our way to death. We rewrite all the stories of the church, how it used to be, and we forget the fact that it, it took an immense amount of sacrifice, faith, and bravery, and above all, selflessness for us to build this church. So what is giving thanks in this season, in this cycle of our church, that, you know, what does it require us to be? And above all, it requires us to be selfless. We must give our money, time, and energy to make sure that those who don't know Jesus have opportunities to do so. We must give our energy to make sure that those who don't know Jesus have an opportunity to meet him. Every decision that we make as elders has this one goal in mind. And it's hard because you're like, well, don't you have many things to keep in mind? Don't you, don't you love us? And we do. We love you so much. But we care so much about our community not knowing Jesus. There are people who die and go to hell every day, and it breaks our hearts. We love visiting with you. We love talking with you, right? Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We are family, and I love our family. And, and this might sound pretentious, and I'm not saying that we need to become a mega church or anything like that, but the only thing that makes our family better is if it gets bigger, Luke 19.10 says, The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So when that is our goal, we are partnering with Jesus. We are continuing the Lord's work. So in this season, uh, we are going to stop and say thank you to God for where we are now. And I'm so thankful because we as a church, we could have become many different things. Bob spoke on it last week, but, and, and Eddie would, would likely agree to this, but, but when, they, when they built this church, they built it, well, uh, in case we outgrow it and we need to move, we can use this space, uh, we can sell it to somebody else as a, as a storehouse where they can maybe put up different like, areas where people can store things. They wanted this building to be used potentially as different things. I'm thankful that, that, that we could have become that. The church could have died shortly after they built this building, and it could have become anything, but it didn't. And I'm so thankful for where we are now in this season. And honestly, it makes me sad, but some of you are going to decide that the family that you are experiencing today, this isn't the family that you want. This radical love and honesty and selflessness, you don't want to be a part of it. And it makes me sad to know that some of you will come to that conclusion, but I need you to know that it's okay. 
We love you. We love you so much that if you decide you want to go somewhere else, you want to serve somewhere else, that there's another place that, uh, that you feel like you want to become your forever family, we love you enough to like, let you leave and encourage you. We're not trying to beg you to stay here. We love you. We love you being a part of our family. But if you're, if you're going to be angry and bitter because you have to stay, that's not what we want. Right? We want our family to grow in love. There are even people in this room that I'll never understand this, but maybe they don't like the preacher here. I personally think that he's handsome (laughs) and so humble. That's right. But I need you to know, like, it's okay. We're not going to be mad if that's the decision that you make. Uh, You know, we're not going to change everything in order to make you happy. We just want anyone that wants to go where we're going, we would love for you to be on the ride with us. We'd love for you to join us in helping people to know and to follow Jesus. But if that's not what you want, we will encourage you and we will send you off with love and gladness. We would just ask that you would change the world for Jesus wherever he has called you to call home. But while you're here, we have some work to do. I love what Bob said last week about us. We are the new launch team for this cycle of our church. We get to see the Lord do amazing works in us and through us. Uh, we get to be the people that 50 years from now that other people will, will, will give sermon series about remembering us. And that's not why we do it, but that's really cool to think about. We are the new launch team. But the only way that that will happen is if we are trying to make sure that church isn't about us in the first place. In the next coming seasons, we're going to see some changes to the building, maybe to our order of service, to our bylaws, to a lot of things in this church that maybe we love and think that, that are our identity. But the whole purpose of the church is that when we change, we do so so that everyone, everyone has the opportunity to know and to follow Jesus. We do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but we consider the interests of others and the needs of others in order to teach them and show them Jesus. That's it. That's our goal. Be more like Jesus in order to bring more people to Jesus. I'm going to call the worship team back up, but I want to ask you all a question. If you haven't made that decision to follow Jesus, what's what's holding you back? Is it a a sordid past? Is it a sin that you just can't quit? Are you waiting for God to give you a sign or tell you what to do next? Well, if that's the case, here's your sign. Uh, You need to devote yourself to Jesus and Jesus alone to be the authority in your life. You need to get baptized. Why? Because Jesus did it and told us to do it. And that's good enough for me. It's an act of obedience to the Lord of the universe. It is a launching point to the holistic servitude of the God who spoke our universe into existence. Let nothing stand in your way. Nothing would give us more to celebrate and be thankful for in this season than seeing a whole slew of you make the decision to follow Jesus. We would love to partner with you in that. I know that we are going to have, uh, we're going to, bring out some Thanksgiving baskets today to people in our community in need. That's really exciting. There are so many really cool things to be a part of. And what I'm asking you to do 
Just pick one. You don't have to do them all. There's a lot of really cool things to help with. Pick one. And if you don't like it, pick something else. <laughs> As a family, uh, I'm just going to talk a little bit about my Thanksgiving. I know I called you guys up a little bit early. We have a list that we send out every year for Thanksgiving, right? This year, my wife and I were bringing wine and bread. I'm like, perfect. As a pastor, that's it, right? That's what I'm bringing, you know. That's what Jesus brought. That's what we're bringing too. Uh, but other people write, uh, your job is to make the turkey. Your job is to bring the casserole. And when it times to, comes time to clean up, we all clean up together. So we all cook different foods. We all bring different gifts. We all bring something different. And in that family gathering, that makes sure that we all have something that we like, that uh, we all have an opportunity. And we didn't have to make it all ourselves. And when we operate as a church that way, we say, I don't know what I should be bringing to the, the table. We would love to help you find out what that next step is in your life. What can you bring to the family gathering that we do? What can you bring to the table? We'd love to talk with you about that. So we do have a, a welcome center just outside uh, these doors to the left where we have lots of serving opportunities. Also talk to the elders or uh, we, have, we just have lots of stuff to get connected with that, including your connection card. So if you haven't taken time to fill one of those out yet, and now would be a great time. I'm actually going to pray for us, and then we're going to sing together. Uh, but then when we pass uh, the offering baskets, uh, put those in there or put them uh, in the, the containers in the back. So I'm going to pray for us in this Thanksgiving season that we would give thanks for where we are now. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for caring so deeply about us. Thank you for bringing us leaders who seek your kingdom first and follow you in all things. Thank you for choosing to send your son for us so that we can be a family together for all eternity. And Father, I'm going to ask that you would help us to care so deeply about reaching all the people who don't know you yet that it would guide all of our decisions we make from this moment on. We love you. We praise you, and today we give you thanks for all that you've done and will do. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. amen.